welcome to the Understanding Society podcast. I'm your host, Emma Victoria Holton. The Understanding Society podcast series explores how scientists and policymakers use our data, along with commentary from specialists in the subjects we cover. In this episode, we're looking at how living environment can have an impact on a person's chronic stress levels. By looking at underlying processes and mechanisms using biomarkers, does living in a deprived area play a role in creating stress in people's health relationships? Well, here's Lucy Pryor from Bristol University, who's today's guest, to tell us more about her thesis. So hello, I'm Lucy Pryor. Um, so when I did this, uh, this piece of work, I was a PhD student in geography at the University of Bristol, um, where I was looking into, in my thesis, how neighbourhood deprivation, where you live, relates to your health and trying to think about the mechanisms that might underlie those associations and trying to think about the role of stress and a kind of chronic stress um, from your environment in uh, health relationships. Well, thank you for joining me today, Lucy. It's a pleasure. I'm here in Bristol on location talking to you. So let's just dive a little deeper into your paper. So, well, first of all, why? What was the need? Because I know you cite quite a few other pieces of research and papers that have already been done. So what makes yours different and and why? So the kind of impetus uh, for this particular paper was basically, as you say, there's been a lot of research that's looked at neighbourhoods and health and how where you live interacts with health. That's a really, really long um, history of research there. Um, but what's kind of new or kind of novel about this paper was that using those biomarkers to get into the processes and mechanisms that underlie those relationships that all these papers have found. So there's Um, A lot of research out there that has said, okay, we've got a measure of neighborhood deprivation, a measure of some health measure. We can see that there's an association, there's a correlation there, and then they stop. Whereas this paper was about finding, okay, I think there's something to do with stress in your environment and chronic exposure to that. How can we get at that uh, mechanism in a kind of quantitative way and then using the biomarkers to to try and do that? So you're talking about stress and you talk in your paper about stress pathways mm. or uh, the stress pathway. I think of it as the stress pathway. It's a kind of reoccurring hypothesis that kind of runs through a lot of papers I read often as a kind of a theoretical underpinning to what people have done. So it's a kind of way of thinking about, okay, so you, you live in an area, you're spending time there, you're walking around and different areas are characterized by different they have different access to green space. They have different levels of kind of deterioration of buildings, or different levels of litter or crime or anything like that that kind of impacts on you as you're walking around. So you, it will naturally incite or not so much your stress response in your body. You will have a physical reaction to being in your environment. And the idea of the stress pathway is that over time and kind of the time you spend in your neighborhood, the repeated cycles of stress in your body kind of have an impact on your biomarkers, on your, and then subsequently on your health. Um, so it's a kind of a, a chronic exposure to your environment through stress, which leads to a kind of um, a load, a, a, you know, wear and tear on your body. So the impacts of that stress pathway happening all the time. That's the stress pathway in the body that's like releasing cortisol and doing all that. 
And then that impacts on your later health. So it's a way of thinking about how there's like a biological me mechanism from living in somewhere and impacting on in your health. So building up the stress pathway, you obviously use understanding society's data. What did you use? Okay, so I used, uh, well, the, the biomarker data. So I used um, information from uh, the nurse health assessment and the blood samples that they took in waves two and three. So I think that was between 2010, 2012, they did those assessments. Um, so that was my main uh, source for the biomarker measures. So I used things from the blood samples like measures of uh, cholesterol and indicators of undiagnosed diabetes, things like that. But then also the kind of more like objective physical health measurements, so like waist circumference, um, BMI, those kind of things. But then I also used the the main survey data, so the main social survey that they do each year. And I used that for control variables. So when you're looking at these relationships between neighborhoods and health, it's very important to account for the characteristics of the individuals themselves that might also impact on health. So I used those surveys to look at things like well, the age of the person, the gender, looked at kind of socioeconomic things, so the education level, um, whether they were benefiting, um, benefiting with benefits, on welfare benefits, those kind of things. And I also, I took advantage of the fact that you can get understanding society data linked to geographic units. So because I'm interested in neighborhoods, I'm a geographer, I had to have a geography to use. So I got access to the Understanding Society linked to lower layer super output areas, which is a kind of really small unit, which I could use to kind of represent a neighborhood for different people. So yeah, that was really, really handy. Well, I'm sure we'll get to your findings shortly. But first, let's talk about your methodology. So these are the bits of data that you used, but just what was your methodology in this paper? Because the main uh, focus of the paper was uh, trying to get into this mechanism, I used a method called uh, mediation analysis. Um, so that's basically for usual kind of correlational associational studies. You have uh, your response variable, your outcome, what you're interested in, and something that you think might be associated with that, your, your covariate that goes to that. A mediation analysis is a way of thinking, okay, instead of a direct pathway between those two, I think that actually it's um, my factor, the thing I'm interested in, so neighborhood deprivation in this case, I think this acts through this biomarker summary of uh, chronic stress exposure, and then it's that biomarker summary that actually later goes to be related to health. It's, it's a kind of indirect way of doing that. So it's a kind of, it's another associational thing, but it's trying to get at pathways through other variables and I did that for in a, a multi-level design so you can think about levels of analysis um, so you have individual levels so that's where the kind of the level of the person where that's their health data that's their biomarkers and then you also have the level of neighborhoods so that's kind of individuals are nested or that you know they live in neighborhoods so they're nested in neighborhoods so you need to kind of account for the that structure in the data so it was a multi-level mediation analysis great are there other methodologies that you could have used for this paper that would have been just effective or why did you choose that that methodology 
Well, there's various different ways of getting into kind of very different ways of doing kind of mediation analysis. So I use the kind of multi-level approach because that's what my training was and that's kind of something I'm good at doing and familiar with. But there's also you can use um, other methods called uh, path analysis or structural equation modeling, which I'm not quite so familiar with. But that's another way you can can look at those associations and... You can also, if I was, you know, something I wanted to do or would want to do in the future would be to look at more than just the allostatic load, the, the chronic stress burden pathway. And the structural equation modeling allows you to do that. You can have more variables. You can have more pathways going on. You can look at multiple things going on at once. But for this particular paper, I just, because I knew I just wanted to focus on this one pathway, it was, it was appropriate just to use that. So you just touched on allostatic load. How is that linked to deprived areas and health? Okay, so firstly, allostatic load is the kind of term used to describe this weathering wear and tear on the body through chronic stress exposure. It's uh, basically if you're if you're the stress response in your body is happening all the time, that repetitive um, action kind of impacts it feeds through into all the various different systems of the body um, so they become a bit dysregulated and that's the kind of what impacts on your health so what i found in the paper was that living in more or those who lived in more deprived areas had higher or worse allostatic loads so their bodies were more dysregulated and that that then impacted on their health so they living more deprived areas, they had worse allostatic load and then subsequently worse health as well. Yes, and I guess we should maybe unpack a little bit more of what the definition of a deprived area is oh, yes. in terms yeah. of the data. Yeah, so I used the index of multiple deprivation um, for my kind of measure of neighbourhood deprivation. So that is a kind of summary measure, so it takes into account the levels of... Uh, income in the area, I think education as well, but I might be wrong with that. But also things like the levels of crime, the kind of the status of the living environment, um, housing, those kind of things. And it summarizes them all together to give you a ranking for all, all the, the little units in the country, the LSOAs, of how deprived they are in relation to each other. So uh, the most deprived areas are most deprived in relation to everywhere else in the country. So it's a way of thinking about disadvantage in a more kind of overall way rather than just thinking, oh, we've got this much, this many, this proportion of people below the poverty line or something like that. It's a kind of more holistic way of thinking about disadvantages at the neighbourhood level. I suppose we should move into your findings, uh, the analysis that you've done of this data. So what were the findings? Uh, so basically... Thinking about the question of whether my measure of chronic stress, allostatic load, uh, mediated that is acts in the pathway between neighbourhood deprivation and health, whether that actually worked like that, the answer was yes, essentially. So I had two um, health outcomes that I was looking at. That I was looking at. It was they're both summary measures. So people were asked like a ream of different questions related to their physical health, and similar for their mental health, and then summarised into measures. So the findings were that that mediation pathway, that stress pathway was stronger for physical health 
than mental health. So for physical health, it was, yeah, just a kind of larger correlation. And also there was a, an interaction going on where it was particularly strong for the, like the mediation action was particularly strong for those who lived in the most deprived areas. It kind of exaggerated the further up the deprivation scale you went. Did you just say that it was stronger for physical? Physical health, health. yes. So what about mental health? So it's the, the results were that it was still happening, but to a much lesser degree. So it said that there was an association between your neighborhood deprivation and your allostatic load. And there was an association between allostatic load and mental health. And there was that indirect pathway, but it was just very a very small association. So it was more like for mental health, other processes, other neighborhood factors, other other things are going on that are more important than this particular um, like implementation of that stress pathway. It must have a massive impact on someone's mental health living in a yeah. In I think perhaps area. The, perhaps it's the like the data we have available. So the biomarkers available and perhaps the way I was summarizing them um, in terms of it was kind of the proportion that were in high that were high risk in high risk levels in the body perhaps the biomarkers that were available to use just aren't the ones that are most kind of pertinent to, to mental health biological pathways I mean quite a lot of them are to do with like lipid metabolism glucose metabolism it's kind of things that are more related to metabolic conditions and cardiovascular health, which are more physical, obviously. So perhaps it's just something around there as well. And did that affect certain genders more or certain education levels? Could you find that out from the data? Uh, so I wasn't really focusing on those kind of interactions. I mean, it was as control variables, they were in there. And it was basically, I can't remember which way around it was. I think it was worse for uh, for females, the males in general, for their health. And basically the other socioeconomic things were related in the kind of way you would expect. So there was a gradient across most of them in terms of allostatic load or health, but that wasn't really the the focus. So I I would expect there, there would be, but that's something I haven't yet explored. Were there any surprises along the way as you were looking at this data? I mean, it was kind of surprising that the the relationship was so much weaker for mental health. Like from some of the the articles that I was reading, it suggested that there would be perhaps something more going on there. But then thinking about the nature of mental health and its kind of dynamic uh, as a kind of dy dynamic response and something that's really influenced by lots of different things and perhaps not so much by chronic exposure maybe it's more to acute circumstances that was maybe slightly surprising but really it was pretty much all as expected like I had a hypothesis and it turned out that it was which is uh, not always how research goes <laughs> <laughs> but do you think perhaps the mental health element is just maybe perhaps how that data is collected because like you were saying the physical stuff is blood tests mm. etc and I'm guessing the mental health one is more sort of how are you feeling? Yeah, so the, the it's a range of you know, self-report questions that they then summarise. So, yeah, obviously it's perhaps harder to get into the kind of biomarkers or objective health measures for mental health 
that's not really surprising, is it, um, with the mental health stuff? And I, I just think it would be really hard to measure that in the future still. So it's great. You know, you got the results that you thought, which is great. But is there anything different that you would do if you were to do it all again? Yeah, as I was saying before, I think one of the things I would like to do is explore more pathways. So obviously I looked at neighborhood deprivation as a kind of summary thing. Obviously there's various different aspects to that. I would, you know, given the best data in the world and all the time in the world, I would like to look at what specifically about different areas is related most to kind of the allostatic load perhaps also expanding on the health measures. So I used, again, kind of overall summary measures. It'd be nice to delve into some kind of more specific uh, conditions, maybe. And also just, it'd be great if Understanding Society, if they ever do another blood sample, another health ass assessment to do something with the data over time, that would be really great. And uh, also with looking at mechanisms, it's kind of really important to actually have data over time. So all these results that I have are kind of limited by the fact that they're from the same time point. Whereas if I had those multiple waves of data with biomarkers, I could look at thinking a bit more causally because you can't really do that at the moment. Yeah, it's quite difficult really to see the true impact of on your health uh, in terms of how long you lived in an area. In an area. Yeah, you really need yeah. that, yeah, that sense of that time and um, yeah, how long they've been exposed and, and, and to what to what degree, yeah. Absolutely. So really only scratch the surface, yeah. really. So yeah, so if there's someone listening now who is about to begin or is looking at writing their own paper or article and are looking at using Understanding Society data, what advice would you give them? Well, firstly, just to use to use as much as possible of the resources that the Understanding Society and the whole kind of data team have available. So there's, there's great documentation of the survey. It's really easy to get hold of through the UK Data Service. I think they have a forum that you can ask any questions at that was pretty good. I've also, I also went to one of their... I think it was a training event, like a workshop around the use of the biomarker data. That was really helpful. So really just like check out what the, what's going on with them and because it can be really helpful. Yeah. Great. And your paper's available. Yeah. For anyone that wants to read it. Whereabouts can they find it? So it's an open access paper, so anyone can read it. And if you Google Lucy Price and my name and then something like stressed out and allostatic load, that should come up there. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me today, Lucy. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. It's great. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Understanding Society podcast. For more information on the Understanding Society study, go to understandingsociety.ac.uk.